Hey, my name is Gerard Lockhart. This is my podcast, Inspire Me. I'm recording my fifth episode. And on this episode, I'm going to tell you about two African-Americans that you probably never heard of. First, my quote is, never be limited by other people's limited imaginations. Let's get started. First up is Fritz Pollard, whose real name is Frederick Douglass Pollard, a highly successful football and track athlete. Fritz Pollard became the first African-American to play in the Rose Bowl when he played for Brown University in 1916 and the first African-American to coach in the National Football League in 1922. During the early days of professional football, Pollard was an energetic promoter of integrated rosters, recruiting prominent black players to the NFL and organizing exhibition games to showcase their talents. He assembled and coached the all-black Chicago Blackhawks football team, which became one of the most popular teams from 1929 to 1932. After retiring from his successful coaching career, Pollard founded a number of businesses and established a weekly black tabloid. He then became a successful casting agent, producing videos and a film that featured African-American entertainers. Among his many honors, he was the first African-American to be elected into the National College Football Hall of Fame, as well as the recipient of an honorary doctorate from Brown University. Along with his own amazing athletic ability and accomplishments, Pollard was a courageous advocate for confronting racial barriers and creating opportunities for African Americans both in the athletic and business world. Frederick Douglass Pollard was born in an affluent neighborhood in Chicago on January 27, 1894 to John William, a barber, and Catherine Amanda Hughes Pollard, a seamstress. The seventh of eight children, he was affectionately called Fred, but later nicknamed Fritz, by neighborhood residents, a name that stuck with him throughout his life. He was, however, named after civil rights leader Frederick Douglass, a famous abolitionist whom his parents had heard speak the preceding year. Pollard attributed much of his success in life to his ancestors, who through tremendous hard work, courage, and a pioneering spirit thrived and prospered during the era of slavery. Even though his grandparents and great-grandparents had been Virginia slaves, the family became free yeoman farmers after the Revolutionary War and through hard work overcame tremendous odds. The John William Pollard family was well-educated and had moved from Missouri to Chicago in order to give their eight children a better life and more opportunity. Fritz Pollard embraced his opportunities and proved that through hard work and the spirit of his ancestors, he could accomplish great things. By the time Fritz graduated from Lane Technical High School in 1912, he had become a talented running back, baseball player, and a three-time county track champion. June 1914, he married Ada Lane. The couple, who had three daughters and one son, separated in the early 1920s and was later divorced. Their son, Fritz Pollard Jr., was also an athlete, 
won a bronze medal in the 1936 Olympic Games and was named an All-American football player at the University of North Dakota in 1938. Prior to receiving a Rockefeller scholarship to attend Brown University in 1915, Pollard played football briefly for Northwestern, Harvard, and Dartmouth. As a freshman at Brown University, the 5'9", 165-pound halfback led his team to the Rose Bowl in 1915 against Washington State, gaining notoriety as the first African-American to ever play in the Rose Bowl. During the 1916 football season, Pollard scored 12 touchdowns and led Brown to an 8-1 record. Not only that, in the spring of 1916, he set a world record for Brown University's track team and qualified for the Olympic team. Additionally, Pollard played his best games against the two premier college football teams, Yale and Harvard, leading Brown to unprecedented victories in both games. He was selected by famed coach Walter Kemp for a halfback position on the All-America team in 1916, becoming the first African-American to play a backfield position on an All-American team and only the second to be selected by Kemp for the team. A 1916 New York Times re report posted on the Brown University website said a polished performance in a game between Brown University and Yale at every stage of his dazzling performance, sturdy arms clad in blue yarned for him. But Pollard trickily shot out of their reach. Tacklers charged him furiously enough to knock the wind out of any ordinary individual. But Pollard had the asset, which is the greatest to a football player. He refused to be hurt. It required a terrific shock to upset him. An ordinary tackle did nothing more than make him swerve slightly out of his course. In 1918, Pollard dropped out of school after becoming ineligible to play for Brown's team because of academic neglect. He then became head coach of Lincoln University in Pennsylvania until 1920. In 1919, Pollard also joined the Akron Pros, which in 1920 joined the American Professional Football Association, later known as the NFL. The Akron Pros went undefeated during Pollard's first season winning the league's first crown. As one of just two African Americans in the new league, Pollard earned a place in football history. In 1921, the pros named Pollard co-coach of the team, earning him the distinction of the first African American to coach in the NFL history. After becoming a coach for the NFL, Pollard was known to coach up to four different teams in a single season. He also continued playing in the 1923 and 1924 seasons for an independent pro team in Pennsylvania called the Cole League. Then, in 1928, he organized a professional all-African-American team in Chicago known as the Chicago Black Blackhawks. Playing against white teams around Chicago, the Blackhawks enjoyed great success and became a highly popular team until the Depression caused the team to fold in 1932. In addition to his athletic endeavors, Pollard was involved in several business enterprises. He began an investment firm that served the African-American community in 1922, and after his bankruptcy in 1931, he ran a coal company in New York and also served as a casting agent 
during the production of the 1933 film The Emperor Jones. From 1935 to 1942, Pollard founded and operated the New York Independent News, the first African-American tabloid newspaper. Then, in 1943, he managed Suntan Studios in Harlem, auditioning African-American entertainers for scripts and modeling. He also began producing short music videos featuring black entertainers called Soundies for the Soundies Distribution Corporation of America. The company was sold after World War II in 1947. Pollard married Mary Ella Austin. Some of Pollard's awards include named to the National College Football Hall of Fame in 1954, named to R.I. Heritage Hall of Fame in 1967, named to Brown Athletic Hall of Fame in 1971, named to National Black Hall of Fame in 1973, Brown University Honorary Doctorate in 1981, and named to Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2005. Following the sale of the Soundies Distribution Corporation of America, Pollard became a booking agent for nightclubs, radio, and television, and eventually produced his own movie, in 1956 entitled Rocking the Blues. The film, similar to his music videos, featured new African-American artists. During the 1950s through 1975, when he retired, Pollard dedicated his time to being a successful tax consultant. He died of pneumonia on May 11, 1986, in Maryland at the age of 92. Yeah, Fritz Pollard. I know you probably never heard of him, but now you know who he is. This next person, Isaac Murphy. Isaac Burns Murphy was born into slavery on January 6, 1861 in Clark County, Kentucky. His mother, America Murphy, worked as a house slave on the Pleasant Green Farm owned by David Tanner until the fall of 1864 and records indicate that she became a refugee at the Union Army Depot at Camp Nelson. Isaac's father, Jerry, had escaped from bondage and enlisted in the 114th U.S. Colored Troops at Camp Nelson in the summer of 1864 and would fight in some of the most decisive battles of 1865. Jerry died at Camp Nelson upon his return from war likely from tuberculosis. In 1867, America and Isaac moved in with family friend Eli Jordan, a man who will become one of the most important figures in Isaac's life. Eli was a prominent horse trainer who worked for the Williams and Owing stables, and according to historian Pelham McDaniels, Isaac may have been the son Eli never had and he impressed on the boy his definition of manhood, the importance of prudence and honesty, and the benefits of being consistent in all things. Murphy began his racing career riding for Williams and Owings stables in 1875 at the age of 14. What followed was one of the most illustrious careers in the history of the sport, during which Isaac became one of the highest paid athletes and among the most famous black men in America. Murphy rode in 11 Kentucky Derbies, winning three times. On Buchanan in 1884, Riley 
1890 and Kingman in 1891. Kingman was owned by Jacob and Stables, co-owners Preston, Kenzia Stone, and Dudley Allen, and trained by Dudley Allen and was the first horse co-owned by an African-American to win the Derby. Murphy is the only jockey to have won the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Oaks, and the Clark Handicap in the same year, 1884. Salvatore versus Tenney. Among the most famous races of Murphy's career was a match race at Sheepshead Bay on June 25, 1890. At the height of his career, Murphy rode Salvatore to a dead heat victory over Tenney and his rival jockey, Edward Snapper Garrison. The race was considered to be one of the most thrilling races of all time, in which the most dominant black jockey squared off against one of the most dominant white jockeys head-to-head. The race is also notable for being credited with the first instance of a photo finish, which was taken by photographer John C. Hemmett. Poisoning Controversy On August 26, 1890, at the Monmouth Handicap, Isaac fell off his horse, Firenze, after crossing the finish line in last place. Given that Murphy and Firenze had been presumed favorites, along with long-standing rumors about Isaac's ritual of drinking champagne before races, stories began to circulate that Isaac had been riding drunk. Following the incident, Isaac was suspended from racing pending an investigation. Isaac strongly refuted the claim maintaining that he had been drugged. Given Isaac's long-standing reputation as a clean rider, some members of the press defended the jockey and called the accusations unfounded. Further adding to the scandal, it was found that betters had uncharacteristically wagered heavily against Firenze, betting instead on William Lakeland's tea tray as the race drew near. Among those betting on tea tray was notable race plunger Dave Johnson, who had lost $25,000 betting against Murphy on Salvatore earlier that year. For the rest of his life, Isaac maintained that he had been poisoned, and although he would race again, the accusations of drunkenness tainted the rest of his career. His Death and Legacy Murphy died of heart failure on February 16th, 1896 in Lexington, Kentucky. While his funeral was attended by over 500 members of the community, over time, his unmarked grave in African Cemetery No. 2 was forgotten. During the 1960s, Frank B. Boris Jr., a University of Kentucky press specialist, spent three years searching for the grave site, and in 1967, Murphy was re-entered at the Old Man of War burial site. With the building of the Kentucky Horse Park, his remains were moved to be buried again next to Man of War at the entrance of the park. According to his own calculations, Murphy won 628 of his 1,412 starts, a 44% victory rate, which has never been equaled, and a record about which Hall of Fame jockey Eddie Acaro said, there is no chance that his record of winning will ever be surpassed. By a later calculation of incomplete records, 
His record stands at 530 wins in 1,538 rides, which still makes his win rate 34%. In 1955, he was inducted into the Jockeys Hall of Fame at Saratoga, New York. In 1940, Murphy was honored with one of the 33 dioramas featured at the American Negro Exposition in Chicago. Since 1995, the National Turf Riders Association has given the Isaac A. Murphy Award to the jockey with the highest winning percentage for the year in North America racing from a minimum of 500 mounts. I have to admit, after reading about Isaac Murphy and learning that he was buried in an unmarked grave, I got a little bit emotional. But uh, there are so many African Americans that are unknown. So with Black History Month coming up, I'm going to do a series every week until the end of February on African Americans that done great things in their lives that you probably never heard of. So tune in every week so you can hear more. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, move towards your dreams and have a great day.